This week on Trek Mary Kill. Ghosts, secrets, lies. Next! Trek Mary Kill. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Kristen. Welcome to Trek Mary Kill, a podcast that is drawn to the blinding light that is Star Trek, even when it threatens our lives. This week we're on to episode three of Strange New Worlds first season. Ghosts of Illyria, written by Akilah Cooper and Bill Wolkoff, directed by Leslie Hope. Akilah Cooper, I must note, wrote the movies Malignant and Megan, which uh, comes out the week we're recording this. I'm excited to see this because I want to see the killer doll. <laughs> I have to confess, I thought Megan came out six months ago. <laughs> I've seen so many, so many posters for it. I feel like it's had to have been out for ages. And that, that is shocking to me. It comes out this week. Well, and by the time this episode comes out, Trek Mary Kill comes out, it will have been out. So who knows? It how didn't it come out like in 2021. No, it was to make the cutoff. Um, the trailer came out in like September, October no. of 2022. Like, yeah. I feel like I have never lived in a world where I don't see those creepy posters. But uh, I mean, <laughs> OK, I'm going to take your word for it because I, I can't I have nothing to dispute it with. I'm, I'm looking right at the ticket that I have for Thursday. <laughs> OK, at seven o'clock in, in Glendale. It's <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not making it up. Um, no, I so mean, maybe it was re-released in theaters. I don't know. No, no. I'm, I'm shocked. Shocked. Akila Cooper is an, uh, is not an up-and-coming writer. She's an accomplished, great genre writer. And she's on the staff of Strange New Worlds, which when I saw it, saw that news, I thought, oh, this is great. They're off to a, a great, promising start. And uh, where oh, last can I week- ask what it... What what is Malignant about? I feel like I've seen that. Um, I I didn't watch it, but it's a horror movie okay. where a woman is haunted by something, and I think it's one of oh. those. I think the twist was spoiler alert for Malignant, in case I'm correct. So skip ahead ten seconds. She like absorbed her twin in the womb, and the twin was like an evil oh. demon or something. Yeah, I did not see that. But people people enjoyed it. So <laughs> there's that. Okay. Unlike last week, where I was very much hammering the idea of like second episodes are very difficult, uh, you know, third episodes also very difficult. But I do want to point out in talking about last week's episode um, that it was like they're still trying to figure out what the tone is. And I think like they kind of went very far in one direction. You, you the line that's resonated with me is what you said was like the BuzzFeed style of writing where it's mm-hmm. like lines a grab you gotcha kind of thing yeah taylor swift is dating a new boy and we honestly can't <laughs> it gives you no actual information no new, no new information whatsoever yeah yeah and so i think this one was kind of not in the total extreme but it was like a big swing in the other direction tonally in terms of like now we're going to try to see if we can combine the two ideas star trek but modern um, the, the dialogue being much more pared down, but also just noticing that it it really felt like they were they were maybe unconsciously aping an episode of the Next Generation instead of the original mm-hmm. series. I don't know if you caught that, but it definitely felt like they everyone on the staff was much more familiar with Next Generation. It was in that tone. So anyway, I'll give you a synopsis in the, uh, right now. It aired 
May 19th, 2022 on Paramount Plus. Again, the third episode of the season. And basically the Enterprise is investigating a, a planet that is believed to be a distant outpost of this race known as the Illyrians, who were banned from the Federation because their entire culture is built around genetically modifying their bodies, which is a big mm-hmm. no-no in the Federation because of Khan from like literally yes. the wrath of Khan in space. And uh, they're on the planet investigating some Canadian warehouse because uh, it shoots in Canada mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, and just kind of looking around and, uh, and then a storm, an ion storm's coming and oh no, the landing party has got to beam back up to the ship. But uh, Pike goes to find Spock and uh, while they're searching, the storm comes on them really fast. So only some of the landing party can leave, stranding Pike and Spock. People who go back up yeah. to the Enterprise. Conveniently. Yes, exactly. Conveniently. The landing party that beams back up to the ship takes with them a, a virus, a contagion that they that they didn't know they caught while they were on the planet that causes everyone who has it to be obsessed or in dire need of being near a light source. They need to absorb as much light as possible. Meanwhile, on the planet, Spock and Pike try to endure the storm and they see on the storm these like banshee energy plasma beings floating around and they think they're coming after them but surprise when the storm finally comes upon them the 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 aliens protect pike and spock from death and uh meanwhile on board the enterprise with this basically a a pandemic happening that's basically Mm -hmm. it's echoing all that stuff no a little too hard yeah (laughs) uh we come to discover that all along, number one, the first officer, Rebecca Romaine, that she has been hiding her true self, her identity from Starfleet, from everybody. She is herself Illyrian. And her one of her genetic mods is her, uh, what is it, immune system. And that's been what's protected her from harboring the virus. And so something happens, a big fight at the end with Lawn in the engine room that causes technobabble and uh, leads away for the cure. And we find out the reason why the transporter didn't knock out this contagion. And it's a wild reason why the transporter's biofilters yeah, did not. Another one where I couldn't have come up with this one if you locked me in a room for a million years. When I first saw this episode, again, I would watch them as soon as they were released at midnight. I admit that my recollection coming into this rewatch was this one was kind of boring to me and i don't know i don't know if it was boring this time around but what still hits me just as hard as it did back in may 2022 as it did in the rewatch was my god what a completely awful not like bad idea but an awful if you thought about it in the real world what a terrible thing that dr mabenga has done dr mabenga has stored his terminal daughter in the transporter pattern buffer where she's just an energy pattern being recycled endlessly until he can find her a cure every so often bringing her out to read her the same story and then putting her back in until he can find a cure and he was okay with risking the lives of everyone aboard the enterprise even though he said he wasn't it it defies rationality but this is the perfect thing to roll into i'm not a parent but do you know parents you're a parent so did, did it ring true to you? <laughs> Do I know parents? Yeah. Yeah. But did it ring true to you or is it nuts? So is it like his actual daughter or is it just like she died, but like there's a memory of her, like there's a pattern of her still in there. It's his actual daughter. 
Okay, um, in that case, this is batshit insane. He should be thrown in prison. <laughs> insane. Batshit insane. In this episode, we discover that uh, three members of the senior staff have career-altering, personality-altering, whatever you want to call it, secrets. Pikes is that he knows what's going to happen to him, his future. And dude has not been cool about it. He's telling everybody. <laughs> he's, he's like trying to Mm-mm. wiggle out of Zero it. Zero chill. Zero yeah. chill. But he's also, to be fair, he was, it, it involves sacrificing himself. He, he learned this dark fate as part of a sacrifice to help the larger cause. In the case of Una Chin Riley, that's number one's full name, and Dr. Mabenga, both of their secrets are selfish. They're incredibly selfish and mm-hmm. both illegal, but... <laughs> yeah, one is like a, war, a crime against humanity or something, and the other is just really bad child abuse. <laughs> and endangering the whole crew. So my recollection then, uh, as it is now, was sort of like, huh... That's an interesting choice. I wonder why they decided to do this. (laughs) And yeah, where I land on it is this is what we said last week. You're trying to set up your show and you're trying to do Uh something to establish that you're trying to locate all of these characters at some starting point. So you have somewhere to go with them. And I don't know why it has to be this grandiose or this ludicrous i mean i'm let's just she lied about who she is and she rose all the way to being the first officer of the flagship of the federation that's that's what's happened with number one and um i'm gonna say that's a lot of lying no matter what you want to say so you've lied your way to the top okay how -hmm. can anyone trust you where's the respect level but we've established that this particular version of Star Trek less concerned with chain of command and like respecting people for what they've done, like stature wise with their career. Fine. So then it's just a matter of like, she wanted to do this and, uh, and it was because, and so the argument is the Federation's rules and regulations are bigoted, which is very modern. It's like, it makes sense. Okay. An Mm -hmm. institution with a bias and it's racial or bigot, bigoted, whatever. Okay, fine. Now let's just focus on Dr. Mabenga. What the f***? He's putting his yeah. sick daughter in the transporter cycle. And it's like, to me, it, it just seems like this guy is a psychopath. It's a weird thing to do. It's like someone who cannot come, like it was in serious denial and cannot come to grips with what's truly happening, which is your daughter's going to die. Yes. To the extent that he's going to abuse her. And, you know, he can justify it however he she, however he wants. While she's in the pattern buffer, she doesn't age. But when she comes out of it, she doesn't seem to be aware of the passage of time. But we'll find mm-hmm. out a little bit more about the mechanics of all this. But anyway, he can justify however he wants. She doesn't experience passage of time. He didn't think or expect or see how this would potentially jeopardize the entire crew. Um, but that seems like the fact that he's like, I didn't think it could. So I'm doing it anyway. When it's like, you are charged as the chief medical officer with the, with the health and safety of, of everyone on the ship. And you would do something that you're okay with not thinking of all the consequences of this very wild thing to just to the point of 
how is he doing this in this version of the enterprise? This uh, sick bay has its own transporter, which we didn't see in mm-hmm. the original series, whatever it could have been there all this time. We don't know. Or maybe after this incident resolves itself, they're like, let's get that transporter out of sick bay. <laughs> yeah. No doctor should have it. It's psychotic. It is. So it's just like the psychology behind it is so weird. Like, I'm not going to let my, I'm not going to let my daughter even live a life. I'm just going to keep her in a, in like state, not even stasis, just, it's not even like, oh, I froze her or something. Yeah. We're, I'll, we'll talk not about that. Not that that's necessarily better, but. Yeah. We'll load, we're loading us up a little bit in the top here. There's still more to talk about with that, but let's, yeah, let's get into the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, some other straight thoughts. We have a direct reference to Khan from Star Trek mm-hmm. to Khan Union Singh um, and a clear genealogical relationship with La'an. She calls him an ancestor and she studied all about him, became an expert on him as a as a kid. And it's like, I, where, did you become an expert or did you just learn your family history? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be. That's an expert. Yeah. Went through the family photo album. The Federation's um, ban on genetically modified people. That's an idea that first was introduced in Deep Space Nine, I believe. In the beginning, though, they say that it's just um, it's a ban just gener- in general genetic modifications. But they didn't specify it was on humans in um, number one's log. So I was yeah. like, like, eat like vegetables. <laughs> so, I mean, they elaborated later, but it seemed kind of overbroad at first right and and i can there's a part of me that can buy that there's the dramatic flexibility of it's kind of whatever it's as specific or vague as they needed to be to fit the dramatic purposes mm-hmm. but in this case there's not a special exception or it's just a straight down the middle it's just straight up the middle i lied about who i am and this is who i am not like I'm part Illyrian. The Illyrians helped yeah. me when I was uh, sick. I'd like kid. to point out <laughs> last week, last episode, everyone was giving Ahura a hard time. Like, oh, if you didn't really want to be in Star Trek or Starfleet, why don't you let someone else have a chance who actually really wants it? And it's like this lady lied her way through the whole thing. And now it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Like, that seems like she deserves a little bit more. Um, uh what's the word scrutiny <laughs> for that i think the whole yeah of course i mean the end of the episode has her resigning her commission once she she outs herself to help cure everybody and pike just kind of doesn't even hesitate he's like it's not a big deal it's not a big I mean, deal it kind, at all. it kind of is I mean, you no doubt have to do some sort of oath you've done some sort of training to advance to the rank of captain as well. Like the rules and regulations exist for a reason. Yeah. So just a bizarre decision-making process to mm-hmm. get, get us to this. <clears throat> and it just seems to rob us of drama. That's kind of my last big stray thought. Um, mm-hmm. oh. Go ahead. No, I have some other things, but I put them in the, I, I, shoehorn them into the grades so that we wouldn't be too um we wouldn't stray too much the other the only other thing is this whole backstory about uh number one being illyrian is a deep cut which is why i'm saying episode three compared to episode two is like a 
almost a swing in the other direction of like, we're not going to be your, your dad's Star Trek, you know, and this, and this week it's much more like we're going to start citing stuff from like a 1989 novel, like to give, to give backstory and inform this. And if you we're going to use the word augment, this is uh, why I said with enterprise, how enterprise has still somehow may been is now the only show that exists in Canon. Like it's mm-hmm. the only one that survived yeah. all the changes. <laughs> Augments is a big thing there. Um, and, you know, con obviously being the thing. So this one is like, if you're a real big Star Trek geek, it actually has a lot of positives for you. All right. Great scenes. I didn't necessarily think it was. I mean, I put this down because I have more questions. I want to talk about it more. Um, so we do have the reference to con and the eugenics wars. Now, in the original series, if I'm not mistaken, didn't the eugenics wars take place on Earth in the 1990s? And has that been retconned since? They've danced around how they've retconned it. Uh, in Star Trek Picard Season 2, there's a reference to that timeline. And it's basically what the newer producers have run into is like, well, Star Trek's supposed to be our history. And that didn't happen in the 90s. There was a cool, no- there was a cool novel idea though that I haven't read it yet, where it basically said that all the con stuff happened, but sort of in secret, and uh, it's not good to use real world stuff, obviously, but like you can kind of maybe say like all the stuff that happened in Afghanistan and all that stuff, like maybe it's kind of like related in some way. So there was a novel concept that basically said the concept happened in the nineties but it was just not like in pop, pop culture. Like we, we weren't aware of it then. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know right now where there's, where they think the eugenics wars have happened, maybe in the 2020s or 2030s. Okay. Um, and another question, like if your last name is Noonien Singh, would you just change it? Yeah, I don't. Cause I like don't everyone know. who had last name Hitler changed it. It's not like they got a bunch of Hitlers running around. Because there might be some idea of reclaiming the name. Well, she says she's <laughs> so. Um, she said she is like she was teased horrendously, ridiculed as a child because of this. And um, number one's like, well, was it tough growing up with a mass murderer as an ancestor? Like, I mean, like everyone knows about it, so it's like kind of a big deal and so i'm like why wouldn't you just change it i'm sure she wanted to change it but the execs at paramount plus were like listen we are trying to get people to watch this show i know but so like and like or some like oh well we did but we were found out or so like so i want some story i want some story of someone tried to do something or whatever something do you uh, do you think that augment the kids bullying her with the word augment augment? Do you think that do you think the kids did a good job or they should have taken another pass at some of those insults? Well, I think that kids are so ruthless that it, I don't think it would matter what they were saying. It's the tone. Um, but, you know, I, I would have workshopped it a little bit. Yeah. It's not it's not the dunk they thought. Yeah. I was trying to think of one that's like cheat code but that sounds pretty cool if you call her that yeah cheat code <laughs> but like i do Bonds, like obscure reference yeah, so. <laughs> i do like them you know bringing back con 
because at this point he has not come back we we don't know that he's still out there right like if we're talking about the actual timeline correct yes events. okay so again seems like a pretty famous guy to have gone all this way prior to the events of the original series and and like just kids know who she is and know who he is and are shitty about it. So like, the great scene, so the great scene part of it, I'm was, just, no, so I like, yeah. I like bringing it up. Oh God. So I'm just saying like, it seems, it seems strange that like, Oh, it was in the 1990s, but we didn't know about it. <laughs> like that story. Like, I feel like they should just retcon the, the year. Be like, Oh, our dating was off or something like, yeah, Oh, I think they might, the, you know, I, like, Dating for lots of things is off. Like, oh, the star date is actually this. Is this yes. how we would say it? something? Some easy peasy, or someone got it wrong. Whatever. The history book had the wrong date. I don't. Know. Whatever. Yeah. Something because that makes more much more sense. Or even like, I don't know. Like, it just can't be the 1990s. That's like too soon. And like, I don't know what they were thinking <laughs> to have it that close. Like, that's too close. Well, I guess in 67, you've lived a lot of history in just the last 20 years, you know, for 67. But like, oh, in like 25 years, this is going to happen. That's like, I don't know. That's not, that's not a forethought, forethought for me, but you know, whatever. <laughs> like the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's true too. I kind of like that. Even though they did, they did a better job because it's been like 60 years at least. <laughs> We're supposed to have the flying cars. I don't have a great scene. I have a great moment. I love after she stuns Hemmer in the transporter room. And then number one just yeah. swings her I, him over her shoulder <laughs> and carries yeah. him out like an Amazon. And it's in slow motion. I just thought that like, was great. How are you able to carry him? Uh, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but like Hemmer is a, such a f***ing asshole the entire episode about everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically. And I, his... I did put that down as great scene because I enjoyed it. And then, like, him going, like, yeah, well, obviously, I'm going to transport the coral planet here so I can get, get some light on me. Yeah, we're not really talking about this the uh, symptoms of this disease. It immediately makes you wacky <laughs> and go to extreme lengths. So, to well, I put it under light. worst Trek tropes, but I, so I'm going to save what it actually is um, for that. Okay. Even though it's not really a Trek trope, but it's a tr- it's a theme, I guess. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get to how I f- truly feel about this storyline. Um, but yeah, I put the her having to stun Hammer in the transporter room and then <laughs> carry him like a sack of potatoes, <laughs> like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, and she did a great. Tr- it was nothing to her. <laughs> um, yeah. So best Trek tropes. Um, you know, uh, the transporter and a storm just isn't working. We, how many times have we seen that? Like it's a classic. Um, and an ion just, storm at that. <laughs> an ion storm, and we have transporter biofilters. We've talked about this before, but um, you know, they're there for a reason, and we we, we find out why <laughs> it's so important for those biofilters to be there before it's, I mean, most other, when it, when it's mentioned, it's usually like, Oh, well it could, it has to filter out those things. And it's like kind of more of a mention of like, well, it couldn't have been that because we have the biofilters, but this one it's like, well, it was supposed to be 
filtered out. It's like the same thing, but it turns out actually the doctor sucks and um, has contaminated the whole crew. It actually comes into play for real. I don't know how they, how it would trip the uh, biofilter thing that they don't really do a great job of explaining that. I think they say something along the lines of has to do with the way all the power is connected. And when enterprise was in the space dock in episode one, getting its repairs done and they upgraded the transporter system. He like insisted, don't touch the transporter, my Mm -hmm. transporter. And that fucks the whole thing up. Um, Okay. I guess I can see that a little bit, but you know, it's just very convoluted, but uh, best Trek trope, a one-on-one fight to save the enterprise in the engine room. Yeah. uh, Between number one and on that's, it was great. A hand to hand combat fight in the engine (laughs) and in engineering to save the ship. And it made me so happy. Breach. Because yeah, of Warp Core Breach. <laughs> and also, I have to give a shout out to Prejudice still existing <laughs> in Star Trek. Yes. Um, and also, just to be extra clear, I mean, Kirk and Khan fight in engineering in Space Seed. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, the only thing it was missing was what the kill shot was or the knockout blow was Kirk pulls that little PVC pipe out of the out of the thing and hits con with it a yeah. couple times but um so it was great uh yeah the bigotry i uh, i guess i'll save mabenga's actual line for later but yeah that just a recognition because mm-hmm. I, I think at the end of the day i'm kind of like they're hitting it really hard that the federation just has a blanket ban on genetic modification and these illyrians at least some of them wanted to actually join the federation and that's what's going on with Kirk and Spock on, or Pike and Spock on the planet, where mm-hmm. Spock's just basically reading while everything's going to shit. He's reading yeah. the scrolls, um, which, by the way, it seems like the landing party should have been concentrated in the scroll room, gathering information mm-hmm. there instead of in the in the in the beaker warehouse area that they were in when we see them. <laughs> yeah, anyway. just oh, look at all these um, random beakers. This is <laughs> this is impressive stuff right here. Because uh, meanwhile, the- Spock is like. Entire history of this whole civilization is right here, as it turns out. And it's only just me reading them. Yeah. No one else wants to grab one. That's right. And these Illyrians were trying to basically use gen- their genetic engineering technology to de-modify themselves. But my larger point is, like, if a, if your signal to the Federation is, we're super serious about joining the Federation to the point we'll respect your ban, we're... It wouldn't be like we're going to undo our modifications. It's going to be like we're going to destroy our technology to modify ourselves. Yeah. Like that's you still have the power to do it. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, the, the bigotry part is interesting, and I think I guess I'll bring it up here and then. So Pike says later on, um, he says something along the lines of uh, when she tries to resign, he says, "No, you've um, undone." you defy every stereotype the Federation has about Illyria. You're an example to them and to all of us. And I guess what I was thinking was we don't get any sense of what those stereotypes are. So it's one thing to say, like yeah. we banned, we, we don't like genetic modifications and that's why this race that relies largely on genetic modifications is not going to join the Federation, which is shaky reasoning, but I'll go with it. But what are the, what are the stereotypes? That, yeah. Like uh, it would have been interesting to Unlike hear that the when Ferengi, were... where we yeah. get a full rundown of what the yeah, stereotypes exactly. are. We're not. <laughs> we talked about this last my week. My people. I think <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, what was it? My people. 
Slander. Slander. Starfleet Academy. Yeah, the Academy teaches you to watch out for those shifty Ferengi. (laughs) God. But in this case, it's kind of like last week where you're trying to smooth the rough edges and you don't want Starfleet officers speaking in bigoted language or anything like that. But you could there's ways to put that in there matter of factly rather than just have Spock delivering quips, which is fine. But he can also be like the Federation ambassador on their last contact with the Illyrians said this is or that which the Illyrians were rather offended by <laughs> like something like you could do it in a way that's like not putting it in our characters mouths to make them bigots. Yeah. But it's like, it's just something that robs us of the dramatic heft that they are. Insisting. Like growing up, all I heard was Illyrians, this and Illyrians, that yes. something like that. Yes. Cause we got, we got the augment. They called me augments monster. Oh boy. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. difficult. I'm very sorry for you. Yeah, but we don't get that for the Illyrian thing, so it made it made it tricky. Um, do you have any more um, great Trek tropes? Best Trek tropes? No. <laughs> Worst Trek tropes? Um, well, we got, you know, your two most capable people, Captain Pike and Spock, are marooned on the planet, so they can offer zero insight into what is happening on the ship. Is Pike, um, is Pike that great? He, he really doesn't do he, anything on the planet. Well, he's... Con- <laughs> No, no, but like, if he were back on the ship, he would, I don't know if he'd do things differently, but I think he'd probably, I don't I, I think like some things would have been figured out quicker, maybe. She probably would have confessed right away. Yeah. He would have probably said, why do you want to look into the Illyrian thing angle here so much? Although that's mm-hmm. part of my worst Trek tropes. She's studying the Illyrian um immune responses and then La'an comes in and, and she goes Illyrians you think they're connected to this I'm like well I don't know uh, the worst trick trope being like the very obvious the plainly obvious thing in front of their faces for mm-hmm. quote-unquote dramatic reasons they have to act dumb about uh you just beamed up from an Illyrian outpost um and people that were down there are getting sick yes I'm at that's obviously <laughs> that's obviously what happened uh so that was a little annoying um why is there a window in the so, storm shelter slash archive room oh, where Spock and Pike yeah. are? It's for dramatic purposes. So you the truck being yeah, you see the yeah. You always want glass like a window. Uh, I, I just a regular one doesn't look like it's reinforced. You want a window where you keep your archives so that lots of light can get in and destroy them. That's what I. That's know. right. Yep. That's how you archive things. Yep. You you subject it to heat and light. But also, how else are you supposed to see the literal ghosts? Okay, like when the, I saw the title of the episode, I'm like, well, it can't be literal ghosts. This must be figurative. No. <laughs> there are banshees flying around. Shrieking. Shrieking! Did I mention this? That those are, if audience people who are just listening to our show and not watching the episode, those are, those. that's what happened to the Illyrians, at least on this planet is that they were infected by this virus that they created by trying to demodify their genetics. Um, and it caused them to like run into these storms. And I guess they were then struck by lightning and then turned into these banshees is what the show's telling mm-hmm. us. That's what happens. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Of course, obviously. 
Um, So it's not, again, not a Trek trope, but it is a theme of this show. It's essentially the virus everyone comes down. It's a vitamin D deficiency. And that is why they're all hungry for light. Yeah. That is literally what it is. They're like, oh yeah, that's, it's a vitamin D deficiency. And there are other ways to get vitamin D. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You could just like, yeah, you could just hook them up. To something supplying vitamin D, because everyone becomes a, a light addict. Yeah, they can't get enough light to the point where they're going to destroy themselves to get to it. Uh, the first person to get the disease is uh, the Canadian Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, which I wrote down <laughs> in my notes as Timothy Chalamet, because he kind of looked like him. Uh, Ensign Lance. Oh no! <laughs> and he contracts it. Like and he bashes his head through a window to get closer to um, mm-hmm. like a panel to get closer to a light source. And the other part of the, you could just hook them up and give them vitamin E supplements. The other one or vitamin D supplements. The other part of that is it's a misconception that we behave or act in a way for what we crave, like that kind of like lifestyle, the woo woo thing of like your Mm -hmm. body just tells you what you need. If you need more protein, you'll eat more protein or this or that, or more vitamin C, you'll eat more vitamin C. No, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) No. (laughs) And like, I assume that on a starship, everyone is taking loads of vitamin D supplements anyway, because you don't get any from any natural source. So it's not like they wouldn't have something like that on board. Right. Or that the lighting in and of itself would be the kind. Yeah. And like also not every light source gives off vitamin D. Yeah. Maybe the core of the planet, maybe Hemmer had some, had an idea there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I thought that entire, so there's a bit where Hemmer beams uh, a fragment of the, of the core of the planet onto the ship because he wants that's how he wants to be close to the lighting which brought two points of two issues up to me that's a big special effect and even if you put all these force fields around it it's ten thousand degrees and mm-hmm. there's no sign of any heat damage no or great. <laughs> in that transporter room they can't do anything like she goes and grabs hammer off the transporter pad that he collapsed onto which would have burned him pretty significantly mm-hmm. Um, and been hot to the, t- I don't know. Um, and then also the other part is they couldn't use the transporters to beam up Pike and Spock. And uh, I understand that they were yeah. like, because it could be a problem. They might not come back right. And you have to be less precise with magma, but it's also a greater distance from uh, where your orbit is to Pike and Spock on the surface to the center of the f-ing planet. So- yeah. <laughs> just a lot more <laughs> but again the show like last week we we're like the show want just wants just go with it hand wave and mm-hmm. so it's just like i think the part that bothers me at least in these last two episodes is like it's every five minutes i have to like just go with like it, <laughs> it's yeah. like you're about to go on a great vacation uh all expenses paid except for this fee and oh, and you got to do it's a two layovers. It's like it's every. Yeah. It's like every, there's oh always God. some. I'm, I'm taking one of those vacations later in the year, and I'm yeah. It's it's not going to be great. 
Yeah, uh, it's not a hotel. It's an Airbnb that you're sharing yeah. with two other families. <laughs> yeah, just keeps. Oh, and there's a daily it. resort fee. It's really expensive. That's right. That's right. It doesn't include Wi-Fi, though. That's extra. <laughs> that's right. Uh, containment build percentage countdown. Mm-hmm. I don't like percentage countdowns. I yeah. also that whole entire bit was they really blew their wad of like we need to. They like they have the computer say the containment field has failed. So game over. The ship's blowing mm-hmm. up. If you say containment failure in progress and there's and it's like two minutes, like I don't know why they went with a percentage countdown instead of a timing countdown, which would have yeah, made more like sense. Two minutes. Yeah. Warp core breach in five minutes. Like that's a pretty obvious one, especially for an episode that's copying a lot of verbiage and 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 situations from the next generation. Um, it was, it was kind of a bizarre thing. Anyway, it sounds like you had more. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, most of it's time quality. Well, the number one is leather jacket that she wears on the landing party. Also, there's a line by Ortegas, and I did not put this in great lines for a very specific reason. And she says it when she sees the guy about to bash his head through the window to get closer to the light. And the line is, whatever tweaks your freak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, rough. It's rough. Like, I think I, like, I audibly groaned. But it's what people like. People want to just see reality directly reflected <laughs> but i also Whatever think it's tricky you're a freak i think it's tricky you've got to be my it's not like you have to sit there and go well we have to make sure every part of this is timeless that's not the issue it's it's just simply like what do you gain by making certain choices that you make and it, and it just seems like in every situation they're like we just want to do it, it just seems like fun um and it's like okay well What's your hit rate? We'll find out. <laughs> Whatever blows your skirt up, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and maybe that's what they were trying really, to like, go. Worst things that you yeah. could say. It's also weird because she's. They're giving her kind of is it acerbic's the right word? I think they're they're writing her as sort of acerbic, but her the actor is so not cheery, but like she seems like a much more fun person. They might be trying to write her closer to like Stephanie Beatrice's art. Uh, um, well, yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine, sure. Yeah, a character in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I could see that, but it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still it's also like, still early too. I find, yeah. yeah, I find like this character should be like much more outgoing than that. She's like I think like there's supposed to be like way more sarcasm in some of the deliveries, but like that just isn't who the actor is or the character is. So it's like, I don't know. They might be trying to force something. Any more of its time qualities? No. I mean, okay, there's so plenty, I, but yeah, I, I mean the, the AR wall, uh, that's what engineering yeah. is. It's basically yeah. a, a little bit of a set in the rest of the AR wall. I'm mixed on it. I think the, the way the lights reflecting off that sleek floor is kind of actually distracting. Um, I like the idea though, of showing how, big the engine core is um, by making it just a virtual set for the most part. I, I like the thinking. I don't know if the, this execution is like 
if they nail it. I think they might tweak it later in the season because at least in this first one, it's like really distracting how bright mm-hmm. certain parts of it are. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about the virtual set. You can tweak it like literally the day of if you, if you just aren't liking it and you can go and say, Oh, um, God. Do, hmm. Have you heard? Here's what I hear about that. You're totally right. But it's also one of those things where it's it's um, not really designed to do that. So like a lot of it is still based on pre-planning so that when you get in. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I know. I know more about building virtual sets than I care to know. And I'll tell you why later. Fair. Okay. But yes, I know. I know. (laughs) I've seen them build from start to finish. Um, I know too much. I know more than I ever want to know. And yes, I know you're not supposed to, but you can change certain things on the fly, like the lighting and you can, um, like if you wanted it to be more ambient lighting or less, you can do that. But like, you couldn't be like, Oh, I actually wanted the warp core over here. Like I wanted it to look completely different. Like then you have to go back and rebuild it. Which listeners you were like, well, of course no one would do that on the day. I must tell you plenty do. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, there's some demanding people out there who are like, well, you can just change it right there, right? And then you go, um, we could. <laughs> that doesn't make it a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they could do like easy things like, can we put a box here? Like yes. something they've already rendered. Like, yeah, we can move it around. The most of its time quality, obviously, is that this is about a pandemic and it's using our... Yeah. COVID-19 yeah, response. that's kind of a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Verbiage. <laughs> like how contagious it is. Contact tracing, um, mm-hmm. uh, isolating. Uh, I have two uh, offshoots of this idea of isolating. They don't do a very good job of it on the show. No, they do a pretty bad job of it. Uh, it's not it's it's not a well well oiled machine when it comes to medical quarantine and literally all we're seeing Mabenga and Nurse Chapel first of all they're the only two medical personnel it looks like and uh, mm-hmm. they literally are just standing around saying I don't know yeah <laughs> so, that's, uh, and then at one point Nurse Chapel says oh it's because I'm good at my job and I was like oh contraire <laughs> yeah, I, um, I beg to differ <laughs> oof We've seen, we've seen, citation needed. needed. (laughs) We've seen nothing but bad job out of you. (laughs) Uh, But it was funny that uh, number one orders a level five quarantine or isolation. And, uh, and earlier Hemmer had said that it's going to, he's going to have to do a level five diagnostic and it's going to take all night and it's going to be super intense. And it makes me wonder, do the writers on this show think level five is the highest level or or not? Like <laughs> because, Defcon. Yeah, because Defcon five. five is like the low least the lowest. The least it's mm. and it's even in Star Trek, even in Star Trek history, a level one diagnostic is the one where you have to like take things offline <laughs> and like there there's downtime. So a priority Uh one message is like the most important message you can send by a subspace, like those kinds of things. So I wonder if they just forgot that because they're in a rush to write these, which brings me to my other point of this about this being a pandemic thing. I, I think especially with the last two weeks, uh, two episodes, it's like very clear. The pandemic has a very big hand in uh, impacting how these shows are even written like that and mm-hmm. how they're how they're shot what they can do you know it's a lot of like 
people standing in one room and not being able to do very much because you can't have that many people, at least in the earlier part, maybe as the COVID restrictions eased over the course of the season or even coming into season two, that will change. But, you know, it's not a lot of location shooting and all the scenes where they could be on location, they're actually on the ship. You know, why doesn't Hammer just beam, beam closer to the core? I don't know. Something like that. You know what I mean? Like just all these little things. It's like, well, they can't do a lot because of COVID. But also the show's being written in the Zoom room. So they're all staring at each other on a computer screen. The way that streaming works, they're probably only writing all 10 episodes in three or four months. Does that sound about right to you? Like the, the whole season's well, being written know. in a very compressed amount of time. And they don't have the ability to... I, yeah, really I mean, usually... I don't know. I don't know if like for a season like this, if they would write it all ahead of time or if they would just do it week by week. I don't know. Everything that question. I've, everything that they've been, that they said. Um, in the but they probably, if it's only 10 episodes, they part, they would have already did like a, they usually do like a workshop before if they're in production and they come up with some like ideas and arcs. And uh, yeah. I just want to how intense gonna break it down is. each episode and who's going to write it all. Yeah, I just wonder how intense, how much of that is budgeted in. And so basically what I'm saying is like there's a lot of uh, extra uh, exigent circumstances involved in making the show. And I think that has an influence on what's going on here uh, to what I said before, the and then and then and then and then plotting. Yeah. And then just the idea, like by the third episode, we have to lay out what everyone's issue is that's going to carry us through the rest of the season. But we need everything to be sort of like interesting enough to keep going through. And so it's like, what's the first idea? What's the one that sounds the best, that most interesting? Let's just get it and go and not consider the implications. Do you think it would have been better if like we came across something about Illyrians? Like if this episode had happened maybe a couple more episodes later and like we had already kind of touched on Illyrians or... I think so. Anything we could... Or even like like Banga's secret or like some some idea that he might be having having some kind of secret so you're saying why the the idea that it was all just kind of dumped in the last five minutes or so is what yeah really, well it's i mean yeah, i, I don't even think it's bad i just think that like um this episode it's a lot of heavy lifting for the character of una of like we have to a prove that she's a good crew member and is smart and has the crew's best interest at heart but we also are revealing her very significant secret and introducing like the prejudices that people have against those her people and also introducing talking about the eugenics wars which i understand that connection and i i don't know where else you'd put that but it's a lot of heavy lifting and but i guess it is only 10 episodes right so it's not like if it were a 22 episode season i think you would do it differently I mean, the other way to do it is, is uh, you would string you, it out, right? Like, <laughs> well, well, 10 episodes, it doesn't give a you a lot of, burn or something. well, they had, so compared to episode two, I think this one is five minutes shorter. So why not spend three or four more minutes laying in what I was saying before, like more about the Illyrian, what are those prejudices? What are those stereotypes and make it clear about the bigness of her secret and maybe more than just Pike and La'an learn about it. And maybe somehow, oh, well, Mabenga hears about it too. Instead of it having like a whole, we get the full explanation of what's going on with Mabenga. We get the whole idea of like Una goes through this whole journey 
and it builds like it's a secret she's been keeping and now she's finally confronted with it maybe she's been able to compartmentalize it and been fine with it Mm -hmm. but now she can't and it's like actually but going through it provides her with a catharsis but then it unnerves mabenga because now he's like maybe they'll be on to me or what am i going to do and maybe the episode just ends with him materializing his daughter in the trans- sick bay and we're all left wondering yeah it would need some explanation because i have no freaking clue or like we'd have to like mention about his daughter at some point because i don't think i would i would not get it I, they I, might I, have like, said he might have said he had a daughter in one of the fir- mm-hmm. in the last two episodes i can't remember now well he wasn't in episode two i know so. you haven't seen yeah. him until episode three yeah so the relationship between laon and una or like we're just told that they have a relationship. It's never on screen. Correct. We just yeah. told about it in the first episode. And it's like, and so she's f-ing pissed at her for like, why would you hide it from me? And I'm like, what do you mean from you? She hid it from everybody. And then I'm like, oh yeah, they're supposed to be tight. But like, I don't know. I didn't like, that was just told to us. Yeah. It kind it does come back and it, it feels a little bit better, but the fact that they're more like girlfriends rather than, to me mentor mentee makes a lot more sense because she like said she helped her during some dark times or whatever because i i mean it's alluded that um she had or that lawn said that lawn had like substance abuse or something i can't remember what it was now but i mean it's just because remember she won't take the painkiller in the beginning in the pilot yeah but i i don't know i don't remember if there's like a substance abuse thing and i think what it actually winds up being is that number one was on the rescue party that rescued Laon. That's oh. maybe what I vaguely recall. And that comes back later a little bit, but it just, I don't know. It was, it, it felt like they had to put in a lot of stuff here and it didn't quite yeah. really connect. I, I think uh, they were like, look, these are things we have to hit <laughs> in this yeah. episode. Yep. And so we need to conveniently maroon Spock and Pike on this island or on this planet so that we can do it. That's that would have been seems. a great that would have been a great moment for Pike to the the issue could have it could have all been the stereotypes could have been from Pike. You know, growing up you hear all these things about what the Illyrians are and now mm-hmm. I'm sitting here at the end of what we know about them and it doesn't seem to match up. And so now I'm yeah. like and it's like maybe it's weird to think like maybe your parents were wrong or, you know what I mean? Like he could be philosophical mm-hmm. in the moment, but it, like he could be doing more than just being like a, a jittery Jeebus, jittery Jarvis down on the planet. I don't know why I said that, but uh, you know, but that's all he's doing. Um, and Spock's just reading and being chill, which I really liked. So let's get into the mm-hmm. line must be drawn here. Great lines. <laughs> I only have one and that's from Mabenga, and he says, prejudice has kept people from helping each other for centuries with no scientific justification. Um, it gets longer than that, but you know, I can't transcribe more than like 10 words at a time. So just that underlying theme of prejudice being still a thing. Um, I do appreciate that in Star Trek. Um, so I can't say like, this is a horrible episode or anything, but I think that when you hit those themes, some people would probably say it's like, political but it's because it's about alien races i feel like people they've always been able to hide behind that of like well we're not talking about you Mm -hmm. we're not saying you the viewer are racist we're saying that these people don't like these genetically modified aliens or whatever the rest of his line is or ferengi 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mainly the Ferengi. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I guess in Star Trek Picard, it's like, and the Romulans, because we really are fine with genociding them or letting yeah. them all die. Um, but my, the rest of Mbenga's line is, and after we met our neighbors in the galaxy, we found new bigotries. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it was good. Um, Spock's line got used in the promo, but it's also, I think it's great. Pike sees Spock holding the scroll and reading while these banshees are trying to break in. And Pike goes, does that thing have a setting for stun? And Spock says, I am arming us with knowledge. <laughs> it's so corny, but I loved it. <laughs> I think he also- did a really good job of being like, if I don't try to downplay it, I will then still somehow downplay it and be funny. And it worked. I thought there's also a part where he's reading through the scrolls and like, I think the, is it when they're the, the literal ghosts slash banshees are knocking on the door. It's like, well, I'm reading about this and this. And then Captain Pike is like, you want to just like skip to the end and like clue me in on what's going on here. Um, Cause he's just literally just reading magazines basically. Well, <laughs> everything's going to shit on the ship and on the planet that they're on. Well, it says here, yeah. interestingly <laughs> enough, like, Oh my God, Spock. Catch the chase, like, wow. man. <laughs> <laughs> what happened Their Their equivalent of princess Diana died in the tragic yeah. accident. Is that on point Spock? Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the rainiest day of the year is usually January 3rd, which they call. Yeah. This is a perfect line for our times. So Laon says, you think the Illyrians are involved in all this? And of course, she's actually covering for the fact that she's not trying to let Laon suspect anything. So she turns off the screen and she goes, I don't know what to think. I'm just doing research. Oh, the anti-vaxxers in the audience must have loved that line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm doing my own research. That's right. And then I, I like joke lines when they're when they're good so i didn't like that that line from uh ortegas but i did like <laughs> even though hemmer is an asshole and he says the same things every time i'm super smart you're super dumb i'm I can see everything you're doing yeah i can see everything you're doing even though i'm blind um he's telling her how difficult or how annoying it's going to be to do a diagnostic and like confirm for her her suspicion even though he's his word should be good enough and she makes a face and he goes, I can sense that expression, you know. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, I know. And I got, I was like, yes, Rebecca Romaine, good delivery of that half joke. But it was good. Well done. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. You're going to have to go. <laughs> I I have uh, the next, the all four, the, these last four categories are completely blank. I was hoping you were going <laughs> to drag me well, through. Well, I have, I have. Tough one. Okay. Hmm. It is a tough one. Um, I think that I liked. So I don't think Rebecca Romaine does like a bad job or anything, but like it's pretty much her episode. Mm-hmm. But um, thought I wrote some notes down. Hold on, I don't think I did. Never mind. By the way, she was good. Yeah, but, but we're trying to like give the Academy Award here, the the Star Trek equivalent. I mean, I think. Dr. Mabanga does a good job of for his parts, but again, um, that's like such a psychopathic shit to be doing. Um, it's hard. 
It is hard. I, I have the same thought. I'm like, well, he cried. That's a, he that's a good cry. tear there. <laughs> it was subtle. I also was thinking like maybe Hammer because as annoying and one note as he is, no. I actually enjoy the performance. Um, I'm vetoing Hammer. It's. Uh, um, I mean, Anson Mount could get it by default every week because even when he's saddled yeah. with nothing, he's still. You're like, okay, well, he's the star of the show. Let's stay on him. And mm-hmm. and the show's like, nope, got to go back to the ship. Like, damn. <laughs> Check out our set extension on the sick babe set. It's all digital. <laughs> Bet you didn't know that. Hey, can we get back to Anson Mount? Nope. <laughs> Look over here. <laughs> um, when I mean, Anson Mount isn't on screen, people should be saying, there should be. Where's Anson Mount? <laughs> That's right. A little Elcar's timer in the corner. It's telling us when he's coming back. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think the Enterprise gave a good performance this week. The VFX <laughs> shots of it looked terrible. I was so bummed. The Ion Storm looked great. Maybe we could. Well, I, I, I don't know. There's got to be something. Computer voice. Computer voice was was pretty good. It's weird that it's what different about the, from what last about the week? transporter guy in the beginning? He was really no, in distress that he couldn't get them back. I know, but he couldn't even make eye contact with the actors when he was mm. talking to them. I had him, Kyle okay. is the Shatner maybe, but um, I, I also just was like, no, just, just leave him be. How about, how about the, how about the fight in engineering since we both enjoyed that? Um, okay. okay. It was the best performance, the fight. The fight. Um, well, I'm you write gave it down. It, you gave the strange new worlds the 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 fight in the basement in the first episode. You said oh, that's true. Just was... I did. <laughs> I thought I gave that the Shatner. I gave that the oh, Shatner. Maybe it. Okay. Okay. Um, but this is the first time we're giving it to a scene and not a person. I mean, two pe- two human beings were in that scene. So I guess we are kind yeah. of giving I mean, it to I think, Rebecca Romaine. Here's the thing. Like Rebecca Romaine was not like a trained actor, really, right? Like she was a model. So I feel like given that, she, maybe yeah. she deserves it. Yeah, and because she, she wasn't bad. Like I wasn't like grimacing through her scenes or anything, and I was no. fine watching her. It's just like what she was given wasn't all that compelling. So yeah, I mm. why not give it to her? Especially at the end when okay. she's got the pike scene. She was fine with when she's confronting Mabenga. That was That was pretty good, yeah. Also carrying hammer over her shoulder, we should have just ended it there. She carry when she carries yeah, hammer over her that shoulder. That was that's great. The, that was awesome. That was fantastic. <laughs> so then the Shatner. Yeah. Oh, I'm giving it. Uh, you know, I hate to do this two weeks in a row, but I'm gonna give it to the Banshees. <laughs> the, the <CGI laughs> Banshees. I tend to. I mean, the, these had voices though, just yeah. like the Shepherd from episode two. That I also gave the Shatner. Yep. So these banshees bust into the archive room and protect um, Captain Pike and Spock from the Ion Storm somehow. They like for basically yeah. form a, a huddle or a shield over them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... Did we need the banshee? Sorry, the ghost storyline. I don't think we did. Well, they were the entire point is there's a standing order to investigate all Illyrian settlements or known. Yeah, but we don't, we didn't need we don't know what happened to the ghost. We don't know. Literal, well, we phys- like, 
Like, you know, actual screaming banshees running around, flying around. I feel like they, they were in a rush. They, like, they, there are so many elements or components of this episode. Like, they they skipped over some details that we needed. Like, we're investigating the settlement because the entire civilization has disappeared. And we don't yeah. know why. So we have a standing order to investigate to see if we can get some clues. It was implied, but it wasn't clear. So that's why I think we needed the ghosts a little bit. And also it does it's like, Oh, we into... found a bunch of, of bones or whatever. They're dead. I, I mean, know. another I way. Like uh, yeah. Another version of the story could have been um, that uh, number one runs into the storm and becomes one of them. And it's about trying to get her back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like reconstitute yeah. her. That would be another version. So I only like I'm ghosts in Star Trek. If they're trying to give Dr. Crusher orgasms. <laughs> objectively the best ghost yes yeah. i mean unless these were trying to give spock an orgasm i'm not, i'm against it <laughs> it does seem like when they were being covered that both the dudes were making some sort of groaning or weird twitchy noises i seem mm. to remember so maybe they were debriefed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we only know well, the only thing we know about ghosts <laughs> <laughs> well, the other, to make you the other, have an orgasm that's right. That's how that's how they uh, ingratiate themselves uh, with our Starfleet officers. <laughs> They're one weakness. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's inappropriate for them to um, you know be with each other on the ship. So yeah, the, no fractionization. Yep, mm-hmm. it's a uh, Deneb four or Space Ghosts. <laughs> Two outlets. The uh, there was another time where there were ghosts on the storm, though. It was uh, Next Generation's power play, except that was like a penal colony. And those are all evil mm-hmm. ghosts. And they took over oh. Troy, Data, and O'Brien. All right. That leads us into... I'm agreeing with you, by the way. I was going with the Banshees. Oh, okay. These Banshees are extra. Because <laughs> yeah. then they also pop out the, um, the, the last scroll for Spock to read after the storm. And like that's just for dramatic flourish. You could have just <laughs> Oh, you know what you they kind of remind me of? Like the way that they sound is like have you seen Crimson Peak? No, I haven't. Uh, okay, so they have like ghosts in that, but like the basically this it's shown in the very beginning, this is not a spoiler, but like this girl's mom dies and she's a ghost who like haunts her and that she's just like like it's just very creepy and like that that screeching noise is like ugh. but like if it was done much poorly like very poorly hmm. like if it was not directed by guillermo del toro <laughs> that's what they remind me of what part of this are they teaching at starfleet academy uh apparently illyrians are the scum of the and <laughs> so much so we don't even like talk even talk about them in hushed tones anymore we won't even mention the stereotypes uh, something about transporter maintenance and power mm-hmm. and uh ship systems and you can keep your kid in a transporter buffer forever apparently well, this is the perfect time to bring this i mean they, they're not teaching that they might eventually teach it they are they are Although, do you think so- they'd be like we're not teaching anyone that that's insane no, they've snuffed out the flame of of that idea because that was the whole brilliance of that was Scotty came up with it. This was in the mm-hmm. Next Generation episode Relics, where that's where it first happens. 
And and so the the concept would be like, of course, Scotty, who's like worked with transporters for 50 years, like is an expert on them. In a move of desperation, he and this other guy figure out how to how to stay alive until they're rescued. But it's all like hinging on it could go wrong. It's not like it was mm-hmm. a guarantee, like the other guy died in the buffer. Um, and so the fact that they're bringing it like literally a hundred years in the past and relocating it here to, it kind of undermines that idea. And it yeah, also no, just this like, guy figured out the doctor fi- figured out yeah, exactly. not a transporter expert. And also he says his line is so ridiculous when he's explaining it to her. He says, you know, you can stay alive in the, uh, you can stay alive in the transporter, you, you know, cause you don't age or whatever, you know, Although you have to take them out sometimes. Oh, you can stay in the transporter indefinitely. Although you do have to come out regularly. I'm like, well, then you can't stay in the transporter regularly. Like literally the next line, he he contradicts what he just said. And it's just also little things in this episode. They're, they're, they're communicating over the comms verbally, which in the original series, they'd have to walk over to the wall and press a button to talk mm. to people through oh, the yeah. ship. And then talking to the computer to end a simulation, like simulations. So they don't have holodecks and on the ship in this time. And I understand this is 2022, 2023. So it's Star Trek relocated to now. So why would we hew them in? Yeah, we'd, ha- we'd at least have yeah, technology we have, that we currently have. Yes. So it's just, it, but it's still all those little things where it's like, it's written much more in the style of a Next Generation episode than than mm-hmm. either its own thing or even the original series or even Discovery. When she tells Pike that she's Illyrian, she's like, they're going to be, there's going to be all this debate or all these, I'm going to have to answer all these questions. They're going to come after you. And then Pike looks at her and he gives a Picard line. He says, I welcome that conversation. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Picard has said almost that exact same thing. Yeah. He's like, and it's like, okay. So it was a little weird to, to see all that. How would the predecessor show deal with this? How would Star Trek Discovery deal with this? Um, I'm going to answer for you. I think in yeah. every situation, it's just going to be, it's going to be almost exactly the same. Just you're going to control, you're going to find replace the names. Who would it be yeah. in this case? I don't know. I don't know who would who would be um, Una in this case, um, but it would be fun if it was like to see Burnham on the planet with Spock because that's her brother, um, and they're they're dealing with the Banshees. That would have been fun. So, okay, Trek, marry or kill? <sighs> Shit. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like. Oof. Do like the things I like outweigh the things I don't? Hmm. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this episode because those banshees were too much. That's what did it for me. It's over the edge. The actual ghost over the edge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not a metaphor. They were there. I'm gonna kill it because the it was it's the inverse of last week's episode where I, I couldn't believe what I was watching for most of it. And then at the end I was kind of like, okay, all right. And this one was like, all right, okay. And then it's like, what the f- just happened? Yeah. <laughs> you get two sledgehammers of what the yeah. fuck. <laughs> it's like a big thing to saddle a regular character with at the very end of like, Oh, by the way, I'm off my motherfucking rocker. And I, 
<laughs> like maybe a psychopath and I put the entire ship at risk and uh nothing's gonna happen to me yeah. nothing bad I told yeah and then I have an accomplice now it's nuts nuts so not just that she was lying about her background not just that he had a kid he has his kid in a transporter pattern buffer do you remember what the solve was for um, for fixing everyone's condition, the light disease that they had? Yeah, so like um, taking um, Una's antibodies right when she gets infected by radiation or something. I don't know. It doesn't make okay. sense. In the fight, the the containment field's coming down, and so they're exposed to radiation that's going to kill all biological life. But because She's Illyrian, uh, Una. She's able to, her body's able to react to it, kind of like Wolverine style in a way. Mm -hmm. And then they say that because of La'an's proximity to her, she forms chimeric antibodies and that allows her to survive it. And then also it's because she's human and not um, Illyrian, the, the fix doesn't happen instantaneously that they can't track the changes and see the antibodies and, and adapt them. And I, I was just like, what the absolute fuck was that? It was I just a, it was a lot of like, oh, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway. And so it was just too much at the end. So I'm, I'm glad we're killing one of these two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So you can find this uh, joining the other standings on our website, trekmarykillpod.com. See the rest of the standings. Uh, for all the other shows where if you want to keep track of the treks, marries and kills, um, we'll be back next week with another episode. We're going to continue our strange world season one, uh, review and until then TMK out. Bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs>